And this is Encounter with God here on Faith FM, where we are getting stuck into the book of Revelation. But before we do, nobody has yet snapped up the prize for the quiz. I told you it was a hard one. It's not a hard one. But not as hard as turning on my microphone, obviously. (laughs) Yeah, they do work better when they're switched on. (laughs) Don't mind me. Okay, I'm going to give you the uh, list of the third clue Mm. of this Who Am I? Uh, After Jesus was brought to Annas, Annas sent him to me. Who be this? Who might that be? If you know the answer, you know what our number is, 1-800-324-843 or text us on 0491-064-669 or you can contact us via any of our social medias and we will... Um, Do you even know what those social medias are, Lyle? Are you getting a bit Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just sort of just checking them right <laughs> now, see if anybody sent a message through that we have missed. But of course, the best way to, to do it is just to simply call in. 1-800-FAITH-FM. That's the number. Okay, where are we going to today, Mon? I believe we're going to Revelation. We're about to Revelation. Like 18? Are we still at 19? Nah, 19. We started 19. Revelation chapter 19. Babylon has now fallen. I don't know. We didn't actually read the last verse of chapter 18 yesterday, verse 24. Okay. When you got as far as the sorceries in verse 23. You can read the last verse. Okay. Because it's so graphic. All right. In your streets flowed the blood of the prophets and of God's holy people and the blood of people slaughtered all over the world. Blech. Is this a You've horror movie or the Bible? you reveling in this one this morning, <laughs> aren't you, Mon? What is, what is wrong with you? I don't know. I don't know. But that's, that's, uh, that's, uh, that's a hectic It is. A, it is there. a very graphic description that you've got right here. Yes. And a lot of people would say, you know, that's maybe a bit of an over-exaggeration. But the simple reality is that when you study history and you look at the role that religion has played in history and the role that religion has played in bloodshed, you suddenly find that, no, this is not an over-exaggeration at all. Yeah. This is actually quite real. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, not that far removed from actual reality. And it's it's funny how humans often have this sort of like, ugh, reaction with it. it like, for example, let me just talk about pop culture for a second. Are you familiar with the book and the now very popular TV series, The Handmaid's Tale? I've heard of it. So everyone's up in arms about it because it's it's pretty has some pretty hectic themes, pretty disgusting stuff happens throughout the the program. And um, <clears throat> actually, when the book was released, it was banned for a while. Um, the, the woman who wrote it, you know, she, um, you know, they were just said this is way too heavy for the society to handle. Joke was on them though, because when she wrote the book, all she did was research history and she just pulled out the horrible things humans have done to each other and wove it into a novel. And she says everything that's ever happened in this book has actually taken place. We've done it to ourselves. Yeah, that's pretty that, heavy. Yeah, and that's like a slap in the face. It's like, here's a mirror, check yourself out. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. And we like to think that we live in a more civilized society today that, you know, things are better than what they were before. But all you've got to have is just the slightest the slightest little turn and human be- the worst of human be- behavior will come out. The Bible says the human heart is desperately wicked and evil above all things. And every single one of us is capable of the worst atrocities. And given the streets the right will flow with blood, as it yeah, says right here. That's right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, so we don't need to think this is like some sort of exaggeration or something that might happen in the future. This has happened in the past. It's happening today. So was this how she managed to get the book released by arguing that it was just an accurate depiction of history? I think in the end, censorship laws just weakened up a bit, but people are still aghast now that it's been turned into a TV program and they actually watch it in like, you know, Technicolor glory on screen. This is what, an MA or an R? Oh, I, I, 
I'm not sure. I haven't actually watched it myself. I can't bring myself to watch it. So, yeah, no. yeah it's much too hectic for me. I'm a yeah. bit of a wuss. <laughs> <laughs> Pinocchio was scary for me, okay? <laughs> you were hiding behind your bed covers. I had nightmares Pinocchio. for years, all right. I was not have been allowed to watch Pinocchio. <laughs> I didn't even know what Pinocchio is. Apart from it's like some cartoon thing, right? Yeah, it's a Disney film. But the little, first of all, the, the, there's a wooden puppet, all right? And uh-huh. it becomes alive it's not normal it's metaphysically impossible and then worse the little boy like becomes toy a, story yeah and then the, well, not quite but then at, at one point there's I, I can't remember but there's a scene where little boys start turning into donkeys and it's hugely frightening for me i just yeah i can't handle that level of fantasy at that young age because you oh. start thinking to yourself could this happen to me <laughs> when you're young and you're not quite sure right <laughs> you start looking at the mirror at your ears and you get scared okay if you're listening this morning then uh, just a, a, a note to self be careful in what you send to Mon <laughs> don't send her anything um, about donkeys. boys turning, turning into donkeys because yeah, she no. might just have a meltdown here on the radio and we would all be in trouble <laughs> anyway so that's the end of Revelation chapter 18. Yes. Okay, what's happening We have 19? read that. We have commented on it. We are moving on. Okay, so 19 is the contrast to 18. Well, the first half of 19 is the contrast to 18. In fact, it's the, it's, the, it's the finishing off of this prophecy. And what God does is that God will ta- tell you some really graphic stuff. But what you find is that you, is unique in Bible prophecies compared to every other, you know, futurist prophecy, etc. that is out there, Nostradamus or whatever you want to go with. They all predict doom for the end of the world. It's just like doom, 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 and more doom. Just yeah. like lots of doom. It's a common theme. Whereas the Bible always ends with victory. That's true, isn't it? God yeah. always wins. You want a happy ending? The Bible's actually where it's the at. The Bible always gives you a happy ending, and the Bible always leads you to victory. It leads you through a period where there is a certain amount of doom, but that doom is not final. It is not um, all-encompassing. It is not all-complete. It is It's not forever, partial, and it's not even for that long. Yeah, it's a partial application of doom for a short period of time. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the history of our world, 6,000 years, that's like nothing. Yes, it's very, very brief. In, in the, the context of eternity. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right, so I'm on uh, chapter 19 and verse 1 and 2, please. After this, I heard what sounded like a vast crowd in heaven shouting, Praise the Lord, salvation and glory and power belong to our God. His judgments are true and just. He has punished the great prostitute who corrupted the earth with her immorality. He has avenged the murder of his servants. Sounds very victorious, to be honest. Doesn't really sound sad ending at all or scary. There you go. All right. Um, and, you know, when, when I read this, this, this passage right here, there's a couple of things that stand out to me. First of all, the sound of uh, the voice of, you know, much people in heaven. Yeah. There is an it's enormous crowd of people here mm-hmm. in heaven. Mm-hmm. Which sort of makes me question, you know, some of the things that I hear sometimes because I have come across those who have told me that the only people who are ever going to heaven are the 144,000. Mm-hmm. That's not a great crowd. That's not much people. Yeah, no. That's a very small group of people. Wincy, wincy. And, of course, the Bible also speaks about a great multitude. Uh, and then if you limit the 144,000 to people who are living, you know, in, in our era, uh, which, um, you know, I've got some friends who've actually do that, Um that 144,000 are only people living in our era and they're the only people that go to heaven. Really? Yeah. Nobody else goes there. Okay. Everybody else stays here on this earth. What the, so my, my, my good Jehovah's Witness friends sort of take this view. 
Wait a second. Wait a second. Can I just unpack that a little, 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 little bit further? Just one mm-hmm, more layer. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So when they're saying our generation, does that mean? Our era. Our, what's our era really? Does that mean anyone who's alive now from that yeah. selection? And if you're a Jehovah's Witness listening in this morning, you can call in and correct me on this. one 800 is the number. But uh, my understanding from the conversations that I've had is that our era is from the beginning of when that particular organization started. I, I, so, from when the organization started through until the return of Christ, you've got. Um, so, people like King David and Esther and Mary, the no, mother, because no, they're, no, they're all stuffed. Even though the Bible says that we will sit down with uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of our father. Um, and, of course, God's kingdom is in heaven. But how can. That's, that's crazy because that's basically saying your fault, your sin, is that you were born too early. And that's why you're excluded from heaven. Well. That's what it comes down to, and and to uh, and to. If you compare yeah, 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 Abraham yeah, I, I, to mm-hmm, say someone mm-hmm, who's going mm-hmm. to heaven from from now, mm-hmm. let's say you, Lyle, and they compare you and Abraham, and you both loved Jesus, and you both obeyed Jesus, and you both uh, accepted his gift of salvation, but Abraham doesn't get to go. Why? Because he was born way before you. Like that's that the only. Di- di- like, you could argue right. the same point in that there are different groups in heaven, because the hundred forty four thousand is a different group. Okay. There's no question about that. The only it's way that would group. work is if they believe in spiritualism. And so, and so people could argue that, you know, uh, you know the, your last generation, for instance, um, you only get a chance to be a part of that because you were born in that generation. Is that an advantage or a disadvantage? Well, that would be definitely something that people could argue against or for. Do J-dubs believe in spiritualism? Like when you die, do you, do you go st- like straight to heaven? Yeah, um, I'd have to double check on that one. To be honest, that's the only way that that, that theory is going to work nicely. Yeah, um, and, and of course they believe in the new earth, and so everybody enjoys the new earth. That's the uh, concept. Right. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Anyway, the long and the short of it is that the Bible says you have a great celebration of much people in heaven taking place at this particular time. Heaven is full of people. And when Jesus comes back, Jesus is coming back to take us to heaven to be with him. That is the good news that we find in the Bible. We find that in John chapter 14, uh, beginning in verse 1, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many Many mansions. And if it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Very, very famous passage of Scripture. Very famous. And one that we would all do well to memorize. Um, And Jesus there is very, very simply uh, stating in the clearest possible way that he's going to heaven to prepare a place for us in heaven. He has just preceded that with a conversation with his disciples. Oh, yeah. Um, If you go back six verses before that, just to give it some some, some context, he's talking with with his disciples and he says, I'm going away and where I am going, you cannot come. And Peter gets really upset by that, as you can imagine. I think they all got upset, but Peter is the one who has to open his big mouth and has to actually make a statement about it. So Peter gets super upset by it and he's like, well, Lord, where are you going? Because like Peter was going to, he, he, he was going to be there. Nothing was going to stop him yeah, from being Yeah, he was there. determined. Yeah, just like he was zealous. Wherever you go, you go to you know you're heading to um, Spain or Rome <laughs> or Ethiopia or <laughs> India or wherever. To. I'll be there. Uh-huh. This is Peter's attitude. And Jesus says, "Look, 
You can't come with me now, but you will be able to come later on. And so the promise is very, very clearly given to Peter and to the disciples that there is a future point in time when um, we will all be taken, all of the righteous will be taken to heaven. Amen. Yeah. Great passage, great promise right there. And, of course, John sees it in vision right here. And he sees that, of course, when we get to heaven, there's going to be great rejoicing and lots of shouting and lots of singing and lots of glory and honor to God. Okay, so verse uh, 4 and uh, 5, please. 4 and 5 says, Then the 24 elders and the four living beings fell down and worshipped God who was sitting on the throne. They cried out, Amen, praise the Lord. And And from the throne came a voice that said, Praise our God, all his servants, all who fear him, from the least to the greatest. Okay. We have, um, yeah, simply a record of lots of continued praise happening in these couple of verses. And a little bit extra. What was the little bit extra you wanted to mention? 24 elders? Oh, yes, 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 yes. But we already talked about the 24 elders and the four beasts. Okay. Sure. We covered that already. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, if you've got questions on that, give me a call. I was just about to say, someone's about to call up and be like, wait a second, who's the 24 elders? <laughs> I bet you anything. <sighs> it's all right. If you want to call, do so. I'm happy to chat with anybody about the identity Wild of the 24 elders it. or the identity identity of the four living creatures. Mm-hmm. Um, the four living creatures, for the record, are cherubim and the 24 elders are humans. Indeed. Yes. All right. Uh, let's continue on. And verse 7 and 8, there is something here that I want to write about. Uh, 7, 8, and 9. Let us be glad and rejoice, and let us give on to him. For the time has come for the wedding feast of the Lamb, and his bride has prepared herself. She has been given the finest of pure white linen to wear. For the fine linen represents the good deeds of God's holy people. And the angel said to me, Write this. Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding feast of the Lamb. And he added, these are true words that come from God. Okay, so we have, what kind of language do we have here, Mon? Sounds like a party. Sounds like a party. What kind of party? Specific kind of party that we've got. Like a a wedding wedding party. It's a wedding party. Enjoy a wedding party? Uh, Yes, I very much like wedding cake. Have you ever wondered why brides wear white? Nope, I know that answer. Yeah, I guess all women know that answer, don't they? <laughs> yeah. Why, why do brides wear white? Because it represents purity and chastity and so forth. But I'm, I'm never. I con- can remember the day. Um, are you right there? I just, <laughs> just whacked a microphone into my own face. But I'm never going to wear linen without thinking about this verse now. The fine linen represents the good deeds of God's holy people. I didn't know that. That's cool. You're like, what's linen? It's a type of fabric, Lyle. <laughs> I thought it was just. I, I, I thought that it was all the same kind of. No, no, thing. different kind of fabrics. Different to silk. Different to wool. It's a different kind of fabric. It's very nice. It's it's breezy. Good for like in the summertime. Crinkles easy though. Not very great for ironing. Be good if you made something out of it that was meant to be crinkled. Then. Oh, it does. I suppose, but it's not really a crinkle fabric that looks crinkled on purpose. It's more like it looks messy oh. and it crinkles very easily. Huh. Yeah, that's the main reason why people don't buy linen because it crinkles. 
But it is a very breezy, nice sort of... Sorry, I'm going on, aren't I? <laughs> I'll stop now. <laughs> Mon is sidetracked onto... Um, Yes, linen. <laughs> okay, so here's a couple of interesting thoughts, and, and I was having a long conversation um, with my local GP about this last night. Yes. Um, who uh, is just, a great guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Met him as well, yeah. Came, came by to drop something off for me on his way home from, from work and uh, ended up staying for Bible study. Which was good. With yeah. um, my son and a couple of his mates. We had a great time just you know, sharing the word together. It was awesome. Okay, so uh, where were we up to? We were in Revelation. We're, we're talking about the uh, the Seven, wedding, eight, and, and what he was sharing with me was, um, you know, the wedding customs of the time, and how the Bible is so full of the imagery of you know the wedding, yes. and, and the Book of Revelation is full of the imagery of the wedding. But the wedding customs of those days were very different from, or a Jewish wedding custom, very very different from uh, wedding customs that we have today. Mm-hmm. And so in those days, if, uh, if as a young man, like if as a young man I fell in love with somebody and I wanted to uh, get married to that person, I would go to my parents. Okay. And I would ask my father oh. to go and make the wedding arrangements. So if you remember oh. the story of, of Samson. Yes. You know, yeah, he says, okay, you know, gotcha. go and get her for me for she pleases me well. Oh. He's asking his parents to, to go, go fit, and yeah. make arrangements with her parents. Mm-hmm. For him to marry her. Gotcha. Okay, so you can still have... It's not a fully arranged marriage where you've like never met or heard but of the person. But the parents person. do the negotiation. But the parents do the Does negotiation. Does that mean that they could say no? They could be like, no, not that one. Well, here's the thing. If, if his parents agree, mm-hmm. then he and his father will travel to the bride's house mm-hmm. in the evening and knock on the door. Behold, I stand at the door. Hey! Who's on the inside? The woman is on the inside. Ah, well, what does the woman symbolize? The bride. The church. Yeah, the church. Okay. At which point her father will ask her, should I open the door? And if she says, yes, open the door, then the engagement is going to take place. Wow. Okay. So, One question. Yes. Why is it in the evening? Uh, because that's when everybody has an evening. Uh, the, oh, it's main at home. Meal, I guess. You know, okay. home. Uh, yeah. Don't ask me like, like most questions. door knockers. They come when you're home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, okay, so behold, I stand at the knock. If anyone opens the door, I will come in and do what? Eat with them. Eat with them. Mm-hmm. That's right. Okay, so uh, and, and uh, um, if, if, if the door is open, that means, yes, it's going to progress. It's going to happen. Um, and... Uh, um, um, and and so she needs to, uh, uh, you know, she, she she's she's agreed to the wedding. Mm-hmm. So they're going to come in. They're going to share a meal together. Um, they're going to share some some wine or some grape juice together. And as a, at, at the end of that, the the groom, once he has had um, his last drink of of wine, he will say, "I will not drink of this again until I drink it new with you." In our house. Wait, that's what Jesus says. That's exactly what Jesus says. Yeah, absolutely. That's real. I had no idea that was their marriage custom. Okay. Now, they also write up a marriage contract. Oh, wow. Yes. Wow. Uh, Yep. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And so the husband prepares a marriage contract for his wife and her father, and he has to compensate for the cost of raising her. Okay. So, so, so raising this woman has has come with a cost, mm-hmm. and so he's got to compensate for that cost, and so um, yeah, it's gonna it's gonna it's gonna cost him. Um, he has to. 
pay the cost for the bride. Jesus paid the cost for his bride.、Mm-hmm. He paid it with his own blood. It's very beautiful symbolism happening yeah, right yeah, here. Yeah, I can't believe the similarities.、Symbolism. All right, we're going to come back and talk more about this in just a moment.、Uh, we have the Forbes family with, what do you know? Revelation chapter 19 is what the song is called. The signs of the times are everywhere. The spoken word of Jesus fills the air. Wars and rumors on them all this night and day. Do not be dismayed. He's coming back someday. Allow little children, Jesus said, come unto me. Such is the kingdom of heaven. But their little lives are taken, fearing not the Holy One. But hear me when I say, Judgment's on the way. He'll ride on the cloud to take his bride away. Triumphantly, the church will see Jesus any day. As we know them, we'll soon pass away. We'll soon pass
Welcome back, everybody. We were just listening to the Forbes family with Revelation chapter 19. Can't have anything more uh, appropriate for our uh, Revelation 19 Bible study than a song about Revelation 19, can we? Anyway, we were uh, about to give you another clue for the quiz, but it's already been snapped up. So congratulations to Sharon from Morwell in Victoria, who came through with the correct answer being Caiaphas. And uh, so that one has been snapped up. There is a prize coming your way, Sharon. Well done. Congratulations. We were just talking a moment ago about wedding practices and how much they reveal about what the Bible talks about because this morning's Bible study, we've got this passage here talking about the uh, the the the. the the, the bride and the groom and the bride being the church and she's made herself ready. She's wearing white um, and she is ready for the, bride, the the groom to come. And we were talking about some of the symbolism that comes through in the Bible in relationship to uh, wedding practices. We talked about the cup of wine that uh, that they would drink as a symbol of sealing their engagement. Now, the interesting thing in Jewish practice was that once you were engaged, if you wanted to break off that engagement, it required a divorce. You couldn't live as a married couple, but it would require a divorce to to break it off. And um, wait, wait, you need a divorce in the engagement yes, stage. Yes, yes. Once you're engaged, that's you can't you can't live together as a married couple until you're married. But it does require a divorce to break it. That's pretty scary. Uh, not really. I mean, in today's system, it's just a yeah. different way of it's just yeah. a different way of looking at it. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah. I, suppose. I mean, today it's because like, uh, for every person who gets to, for every couple who gets together, there's going to come a point where it's locked in. Oh, yeah, gotcha. And so this is, you know... You, Back you just, then the engagement stage was a lock-in stage. That's right. Okay, yeah. yeah. Um, okay, that that cup of uh, wine, of course, was a symbol of the husband's blood that he would be prepared to shed for his wife if necessary in her defence. Okay, so after this little ceremony takes place, the son and his father, they leave. And the son would say, I'm going to prepare a place for you. In other words, I'm going to build a house for you in my father's city. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to my father's city to prepare a place for you, which is a bit different John to Kenyans, chapter 14. But yeah, go on. Yeah, yeah. Yep. A little bit different to uh, to that practice over there in Kenya for sure. But in my father's house are many mansions. I go to prepare a place for you. This is what the son is doing. And typically what would happen was that he would build his house adjoining his father's house. Oh, really? Now, he was not allowed to go and get his bride until the house that he built passed inspection. That's fair enough. Yes. We would have that same thing yeah, today. And we Australia. have the, the, the council inspector comes around and says, okay, yep, you can live in this house or no, you need to fix this up first. Mm-hmm, okay. The house inspector was his father. Oh. So if anyone ever asked him, when is the wedding? He would say, I don't know. Only my father knows. Uh, this is, this is <laughs> unbelievable. Yeah. I didn't know this. This is amazing. In okay, so he had to do a good job. It had to be quality work. And the uh, the bride would wear a veil um, after she was... Um, after she, after the betrothal took place, after the engagement, and that was to show that she had been bought with a price. Mm. And so the church has been bought with a price, the blood of Jesus Christ, and he's gone away to prepare a place for us um, and so the price that Jesus has paid for you and I is his blood. It would take a divorce 
to separate us from Jesus. Amen. We, 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 there's a legal document um, connecting us. Oh, and this is the other interesting thing too, is that uh, the legal contract that they write up, of course, everybody signs it, but they sign it, um, legal documents of those, 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 da- those days were signed on the back. Oh, and it had seven parts to it as well. On the back of the document. Yes, on the we back read about seven seals with a double-sided book earlier on. Yes, yeah, that's uh-huh, right. Yeah, mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's a whole other story right there that we could go into um, in Revelation chapter 6. Okay. Um, the bride was never given a date as to when the groom would return. I could just imagine brides losing their minds today about that. <laughs> okay, so here's the thing. She had to be ready every day. Wow. In other words, she had to be clean, she had to be beautiful, she had to have her makeup done. Every single day she had to be ready for the groom to come back because she never knew when he would arrive. That's not like you could call back then. Yeah, not like you mm-hmm. could um, just get on the phone and say, hey, I'm on my way over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so so the church, we have to be ready every single day for Jesus to come back because we have no idea when he's coming back. Yes, yeah, true. Uh, and, and anyway, when, when he arrived, um, he, 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 they did actually give them a little bit of notice because he would arrive with a trumpet blast. So you would hear um, somebody you know, coming into town, the next minute you hear this massive blast of a trumpet. If you're the bride at that point, your heart is going to skip about six beats because it it's is your wedding. It's your wedding. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't know it was today, but it's today. You're getting married today. And uh, you would then that would then create a flurry of activity. That means that the bridesmaids who had been chosen, they would hear that trumpet blast and they would then go to wait by the roadside. While the groom goes and gets his bride and they have a little pre-wedding party with the bride's family. Mm-hmm. That's just a little family affair. The bridesmaids don't get to go go to that. They have to wait outside. All right, you're starting to see yes, some symbolism yes. come through here, right? right? Yep. Yep, yep. Ten virgins, so uh-huh, it makes uh-huh. a lot more sense. Yep, yep. Um, and then, of course, you know, when they finish that pre-wedding party, then, of course, they go back to the groom's house. And the bridesmaids gets to follow them. And, of course, that would often happen in the evening. And, of course, the parable of the ten virgins, they have a really good party at the at the bride's house. And so it goes until midnight. You know, mm-hmm. midnight a voice is heard. Behold, the bridegroom comes. Go out to meet him. Yeah. Wake up, guys. And, of course, some of them had run out of oil and were unable to, uh, you know, to go and, and, and didn't have the time to go and, and, and purchase. More, yeah. Okay. When you get to the groom's house, that's where the party takes place. And they had bounces mm-hmm. because you had to have an invite. You couldn't turn up uninvited. You couldn't turn up without the wedding garment on. Hey. If you're uninvited, then you get booted out into outer darkness because there's, it's dark outside. There's so much symbolism in these ancient <laughs> weddings. I can't believe. That's right. Now, the, um, the wedding, would, the wedding would, uh, would take seven days and everybody would party outside um, while the, um, the marriage was consummated. Mm-hmm. Nothing like putting the pressure on. It's <laughs> <That was> terrible. <laughs> but that was the culture in those days, and I guess uh, it was no big deal um, within that culture. All right. Now, the wife had to produce proof of her virginity in blood. Yeah. Okay? Mm-hmm. All right. So then what happens if it turns out that she's not a virgin? What happens if it turns out that she's impure? There's a major problem. If 
she could be divorced, okay, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because of that. That, yep. that was that was grounds for divorce because she'd lied. She'd said she was pure. She'd said she was a virgin, and she's not. So she could uh, be divorced. But if the husband loved her. Mm-hmm. Legally, he could open one of his own veins and provide his own blood to cover for his wife's misdeeds, for his wife's sins. Wow. Jesus, we are the bride Mm -hmm. who has been unfaithful to Jesus Christ, and he opened his veins. He shed his blood to cover our sins. We are covered in the blood of Jesus Christ, and she would be saved by his love. That is unbelievable. I'm so blown away. I had no idea that these ancient weddings ran like that. Oh, and there's so much more too. We just don't have time to go into it all. Tomorrow. But there are so many lessons that you can learn um, when you actually understand what was taking place and you've got this theme running through the whole Bible, this theme of a wedding between um, God and his church. Anyway, Chris Rice, how great thou art. Sings my soul. 
Camping caravanning scene. Join Australia's largest annual national gathering of travellers and caravanners at the Stewart's Point Convention Centre this year, Stewart's Point, New South Wales. It's an amazing campground among the trees. Inspirational Christian speakers. With incredible music. And beautiful beaches. And a relaxing environment. Be part of the community and make friends for life. May 10 through 18. Stewart's Point Caravan and Convention Centre. Contact Debbie on 02-4994-3220 or simply email graynomads at adventist.org.au. Happy Hearts is a free community craft program for kids aged 1 to 5 designed to encourage growth and creativity through Bible stories. Join us each Tuesday during the school term from 9.30 till 11am at the Senior Citizens Hall, 401 Warburton Highway, Wandon North. For more information or to register, go to happyhandsart.com.au forward slash happyhearts or contact Patricia on 0425 854 516. That's 0425 854 516. Happy Hearts. Free fun for kids and the mess stays with us. My whole life long 
Surely my God is the strength of my soul Your love defends me Your love defends me And when I feel like all Your love defends me Your love defends me Yeah Day after day Night after night I will remember You with me in this fight Your love defends me here on Faith FM. Yeah, absolutely. We have come to question of the day time. Mon, what have you got for us for question of the day today? Okay, so today is it's a good one. I quite like this one. Um, 
Let me just – well, it's quite a long one, actually. I'm not sure I can remember it without looking at my device. But let me attempt so I can also video at the same time. Multitasking mom. Mm-hmm. That's my okay. other name. There you go. All right. Okay. So, if I don't respond to an altar call physically, right? Mm-hmm. Like or as in verbally, get up, go down the front. Yeah. I don't lift my hand or anything. Yep. But I respond in my heart – does it still count? Okay, this is a question that I can't answer because I'm not God, but I will make some observations. And my first observation is this. If an altar call has been made and God has spoken to your heart, so we're, we're not talking about an altar call here where God has not spoken to you because, you know, many times an altar call uh, might be made and, you know, you sit there and like, yes, this is a great altar call and you are praying and uh, you're being blessed, but you're not being specifically called by God. But I'm talking about an altar call where God has spoken to your heart and it might be an altar call to, you know, fill out, out a, uh, a decision card or raise your hand or stand up or go to the front. Um, for special prayer or whatever it might be. It might be a decision to give your life to Jesus or for baptism or, you know, many different reasons that altar calls are made. My first question would be, why is it that you are not willing to respond? Mm. That, that's, why is it that you are not actually prepared to do what is being asked of you? Okay? Maybe, maybe they're embarrassed or they're shy. That's a very good point. All right, so on that point... I'm going to share a couple of things because following Jesus involves sacrifice. And walking down the front of the church in front of you know, a large group of people, certainly that's a sacrifice uh, because you know you feel vulnerable. You, you, you are sort of you are out there where everybody can see you. You know, I made an altar call in Ethiopia and, and, and one of these you know, gangster guys came down the front and that would have been very, very challenging for him in front of his mates. Yeah. Um. And, uh, the, the, but my question is, if you are not prepared to feel uncomfortable because of Jesus, then what does that say about your relationship, your connection with Jesus? You know, the Bible has a number, number of things to say about this. In fact, in Matthew chapter 10 and verse 33, the Bible says, But whoever, whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I also deny before my Father which is in heaven. Uh, it's a pretty strong statement right there. Now, Very strong. I, I just need to say this. The altar call is not something that was practiced in Bible times. The altar call, most people believe it was invented by Charles Finney, who lived uh, 1792 to 1875, um, has its origin in the Methodist movement, but has been used in a very, very powerful way by evangelists ever since. And one of the reasons is this. And you'll notice this if you look at DVD evangelism or YouTube evangelism compared to public evangelism. You can be sending people YouTube links, they can be watching them, and they can watch you know, a whole long series, you know, maybe 20 evangelistic presentations, and thoroughly enjoy them and make no decision because a call has not been made. And it's not until you make a call that a person actually makes a decision. It's kind of the way the mind works. Now, when a person makes a decision and then they also act on that decision in a way that is going to involve a certain level of self-sacrifice because, you know, it can be confronting to stand up in front of other people, what you're going to find is it confirms that person in the decision. So the whole concept of making an appeal is very biblical. 
um, all of the Bible writers make an appeal. You go to the end of Revelation and notice what Jesus says at the very end of the Bible. This is the last thing that Jesus says anywhere in the Bible. This is, this is the words of God. This is how Revelation finishes. The Spirit and the bride say, come. Let him that is, that he is, come. Let him that is thirsty, come. Whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. This is an appeal that God is offering in the end of the Bible and he's calling us to make a decision and to come to him. And you've got so many appeals all the way through Scripture. But right here in Matthew chapter 10, moving on from there, you know, Jesus says, Don't think that I came to send peace, but a sword. I came to set a man at variance against his father and the daughter-in-law against the mother and the daughter-in-law against the mother-in-law. And a man's foes will be those of his own house. And so the Christian life is going to involve sacrifice. Sometimes it involves even martyrdom. And so when an altar call is made and God speaks to your heart, then that gives you an opportunity to give your life to Jesus Christ and to uh, to respond in a very real and a practical way that will uh, embed that decision into you. It will strengthen you in that decision. So if God calls to your heart in an altar call, respond. Go forward. Stand up. Do whatever it, whatever is being asked of you. This is a very small thing that you can do for Jesus Christ, but it will make a big difference in your life. As far as uh, you know, the original question, then uh, I leave God to judge um, and to determine uh, where your heart really is when you refuse to respond to an altar call and just sort of say, "Long, oh, we're just going to do this inside my heart." You know, I, I kind of see a little bit of hypocrisy coming through there, but that's up for up to God to decide. Anyway, that's our question of the day. I think I might start just physically responding to all altar calls in that case. Don't want to deny my God in front of nobody. If you have Amen. a question, give us a call, 1-800-FAITH-FM, 1-800-324-843, or just DM us through any of our social media platforms. We're going to move on. This is Anders Svensson with I Met the Saint.
You're listening to Anders Venson with I Met the Saviour here on Faith FM. Mon, we've come to the end of the show. What are we going to give away today? I love it when we have a prize in a prize box that just so perfectly is in the same vein as what we're talking about. So today on Bible study today about uh, Jesus preparing a home for us. Mm-hmm. And uh, we have a book to give away. It's called God Has a Home for You. There you go. <laughs> How good All is right. that? God Has a Home for You. This is written by E.G. White. <clears throat> And uh, on the back it says, He will come with clouds and every eye shall see him. Have you ever wondered about heaven? Is it a real place? And is Jesus truly coming to take his children home? If you've asked these or other questions, you'll find helpful answers in this book. Um, God has a home for you. It's, uh, each chapter in this book is filled with glorious biblical truth regarding Christ's second coming and the home he's preparing for his children. So it's a precious, joy-inspiring, hope-filling uh uh, all about the promise of Christ's appearing. And if you would like to get a copy of this book, wonderful book to really just imbue your life with some joy, happiness, and hope, give us a call right now. Our number is 1-800-FAITH-FM. It's 1-800-324-843. You can be the first person through and take this home with you today. And we're having a small group Bible study at my place last night. It was just so amazing. So much fun. We had a great time together. Great a bunch of young people and one or two of us older ones. And if you would like to be part of a small group like that, give us a call. There are lots of them happening all around the country. They are one of the best ways to learn about the Bible and to make friends and to connect with people. And no matter what age you are. Network. So mm-hmm. give us a call and we will set that up for you if we can find one in your area. Thunder rolls and the heavens rain when the sun turns black. Never shine. 